on Scripture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of First Thoughts. I got it first time out of the gate, didn't trip over it at all. Doing new things. We're yeah. putting new wine in new wineskins, Damon, and, and those new wineskins are stretching. Your brain is stretching. Mm-hmm. Your dendrites are being fluffed. <laughs> well, that's what you want. That's apparently mm-hmm. a thing, mm-hmm. according to my mother-in-law. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that. Couldn't you just fill the old wine skin, like, not all the way full? I mean, one thinks that would be a practical solution, but Jesus was clearly trying to make a point in that parable. Um, yeah, no, I understand the point. I'm just thinking... From a practical standpoint, really... you don't really want to waste that many wineskins. Because what do you do no. with the old wineskins if they can no longer hold new wine? Right. Well, maybe it ages in the new wineskin, and then you pour it into the old wineskin once it's done aging... But and then that new wineskin becomes an old wine. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. man. Maybe he was just saying, you know, there's a risk involved mm. in in putting. <laughs> I don't know why I'm dwelling on this scripture from three weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> but I was thinking about that even on Sunday on this last Sunday morning. That's because I said it during my sermon. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and because like it helps that we're just kind of reading the gospel in sequential kind of, order. Yes, and then you can do, oh that yeah that I do remember that that kind of that reminds me of oh he said this before. Um, yeah, just like put it just like fill it like three quarters full. And so what I'm hearing is that you spent most of my sermon dwelling no, on no, lines. No. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't take me long to have these passing thoughts. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Usually, good. Okay. Uh, first thoughts, what is this? I'm uh, Damon Jensen Heitman, one of the pastors, First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. And first thoughts is pretty simple. We take a look at the scripture we're going to use for the upcoming week uh, at First Pres, and we have a little... Bible study is, is maybe implies too much. It's an overstatement. Maybe. Um, it's... They're the first thoughts on the passage. You know, right. what do we notice? What themes might we identify? What things might we want to look up more in depth later on? Or what connections do we see to previous passages in the in the text as well? Uh, it's first thoughts. It's opening. It's beginnings for the week. So um, that's what we're going to do. I think. Yeah. Anything we tip- else? We typically open with prayer. Yeah. I think you're opening us this. week. I certainly can. All right. Sure. Let's do that. All right, let's pray. Living and gracious God, as we return to your word, I ask that it might be opened to us and that we might be opened to it. Help us, O God, as we study this word, not only today, but throughout the rest of the week. Help us to encounter you and your truth, your wisdom, your spirit. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. We are continuing the Gospel of Mark. We are continuing even the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. We read 1 through 20 this last week. Yep. Um, and now we're going to pick it up and at verse 21. And we're going to go 21 through 43. And it reads something like this. Uh, I said we read it sequentially. Yep, I'll read the fine. first and the third paragraph, and you read the second one. Oh, that's an interesting way to do that. Just to kind of help delineate a yeah. little bit. Okay. <clears throat> okay. 
When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came in. When he saw him, I'm going to try that sentence again. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came and, when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with them, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak For, she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, interestingly enough. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and the mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. That's it. That's where it ends. Now, I don't know how they were going to keep that a secret. Well, exactly, (laughs) right? So you've got a crowd outside the house. That was my first impression when we got to the end of this. You've got a crowd outside the house who are all saying she's dead. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is like, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And they all laugh at him. And he goes in, and he comes back out, and, and eventually... The girl is going to come back out fully restored. Yeah. And so how do they Maybe order you could that convince no one them. should know this? Right. Right. Maybe you could just convince everybody that she really was just asleep. Yep. Uh, Jesus was right. She was not dead. She was just sleeping. Yeah. It, it seems like a tough sell. Yeah. In uh, the, the story of the resurrection of, of Lazarus, the, the gospel writer gets more detail. Mm-hmm. and says that Lazarus was dead enough that his body had begun to stink. Yeah. Um, uh, the King James Version says he stinketh, mm-hmm. which is kind of a fun uh, yeah. scripture. But 
in this case, she hadn't been gone long enough to no, smell. Doesn't seem. Uh, yeah. If she was gone at all, Jesus right. is convinced she was just asleep. Uh, but how how are they going to not share the news of this miracle? Everyone thought she was dead, and now she's alive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's there's a there's a number of of details in in that healing section that's just so interesting. Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child's not dead, but sleeping, and they laughed right. at him. Mm-hmm. Not they contradicted him. Not they disagreed with him. But they laughed at him. Like, is this a laughing matter? Yeah, and what kind of laugh? You know, right? Um, is it just yeah? It's this is also one of those things that we have noticed in the Gospel of Mark um, is that for as quickly as it moves. And for as immediately as things happen, mm-hmm. there are also surprising little details. Yes, yes. Uh, that you think, well, why, who cares? Why, <laughs> why did you put that in? Even in the very start of it, um, when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd, crowd, crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Well, Clearly, yeah, he okay. just crossed. Yeah, we probably could have assumed that he yeah. was. <laughs> still by the sea. Um, and, right. And yet it's it's in there for some reason, perhaps. And um, yeah, uh, even, and he told them to give her something to eat. Right. I okay. love that detail. Yeah, He's like, don't right. say anything about this, but hey, she's hungry. Feed her. She's probably hungry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and then her age too. Um, you know, Jairus uh, says, my little daughter... And the diminutive is in there in the Greek. I, I went and looked. My little daughter is at the point of death. And Jesus says, uh, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. And then there's this parenthetical citation in the scripture, which means that it uh, it might have been an addition to later. It's not in um, the earliest manuscripts. Manuscripts, right. She was 12 years of age. At some point, somebody felt the need to insert her age in there. Yeah. Um, as part of a faithful narrative and witness of the Gospel of Mark, which is interesting. And then I think about the, the, the little girl and my little daughter, and I think about my, my 14-year-old daughter, who mm-hmm. I still call my little girl, yeah. who stands 5 foot 11, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So obviously not small in stature in my case, but still a little girl in my eyes. And I wonder if that's what's going on here. But Jesus also calls her that. But is he calling her that because that's what his what her dad called her. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. a ton of, of little details that, um, that one could focus on and which, which are part of the text and therefore right. on some level are important. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's also interesting to me because there are these little details that you maybe wouldn't expect. And then there's also just all of this ambiguity Mm-hmm. to the whole thing as well. Um, even and, and this has come up before as well, right? Um, you know, the woman, the whole crowd is pressing in, the woman reaches out, touches his cloak, um, and something happens. Yeah. But and Jesus isn't really, doesn't really seem to be sure of what exactly happened or who or who did the touching. Um, and there's lots of 
the disciples are like, how in the world do you think that we're going to figure out who this was? Like, right. It's a huge pressing crowd pressing in. against you. How are we going to know which one of these people intentionally touched your cloak? Which would maybe imply that like, maybe lots of people are touching him. Right. But they're reaching out to him for something else. Or, or maybe touching him unintentionally, and this is an intentional <laughs> mm-hmm. touch. And um, even then, the, she says, I, it was me. <laughs> I, I did it. Um, and his response is, your faith has made you well. Um, so did, your so faith did Jesus in... do it, or did her faith right. do it? And even then, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. Right. So, is there a difference between the wellness and, and the, the healing? healing? Like, which, <laughs> so I, I read, and there's all of these sort of ambiguity to it in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, with these little certainties thrown in. Right. And then I think, well, I guess that is kind of just how life works. Yeah. Maybe, right? Yeah. And maybe that's just kind of how faith works at times as well. Like, there are these little things that I feel absolutely certain about. Mm-hmm. And the rest is a lot of ambiguity, maybe. You right. know, or this is, <clears throat> I think it might be something like this. But I don't know for sure. Yeah. I feel certain that God loves me. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> right. Uh, how do I live in response to that? Right. I tell you that the, the, there's these sort of ambiguities mixed with these little certainties that is interesting to me. I yeah. don't know that there's anything to be made from that, but and I, I also I haven't preached the Gospel of Mark this in depth before, and we actually did. We skipped chapters. Uh, Three and four. I referenced them a little bit in my sermon last week, um, and on the the first thoughts last week. But um, the repeated healing miracles yeah. are interesting. Um, it's not just one or two. Like Jesus' earthly ministry, particularly in the Gospel of Mark, is a whole lot of that, and a lot of people pressing in on him, wanting to be healed. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a strong repetition here, right? Yes. The, the the details are different each time he heals someone. Like last week, it was the the person possessed with demons. Um, yeah. The week before, it was the the paralytic man who was lowered through the roof by his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have a hemorrhaging woman and a child who. Oh, we also had um, Peter's Peter's mother-in-law mm-hmm. who had a fever. And was healed, and so it's it's just interesting the sheer volume, and and perhaps I will go back and sort of count up these healing miracles just as a point of reference. We don't preach about it as often as I think, and it's kind of hard to preach about. Um, it is for me mm-hmm. because um, what about those people who aren't healed, right? And what does that what does that mean? Does it does it imply based on this language, a lack of faith, and, I, and I'm not there. Mm-hmm. I'm not there. And I struggle with the suffering that people are going through who have a diagnosis, whether that is a, you know, a physical illness or cancer or mental health issues or addiction, that 
are not receiving the healing and restoration that these these people in this story do, it, it's hard. And it's hard for me to be faced with this week after week after week and and, mm-hmm. and say something meaningful about it that, that doesn't <clears throat> potentially hurt the feelings of somebody who has not experienced this level of healing and restoration. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, at some level we just have to acknowledge <laughs> that we live with an entirely different understanding and knowledge of biology. That's true. And, and the physical sciences and, um, and yet there's and also what, and, and and how we go about curing diseases um, and and healing folks um, and yeah and go ahead oh it's just despite our more advanced levels of the biological sciences and, and medicine there's also still mystery there's still unknowns there's True. why people are afflicted uh, with what they're afflicted with. <clears throat> how it's treated um, and yeah. why, why each person responds differently to treatment. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot there and a lot to unpack. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because there, there are all of these stories um, and some of the details are different amongst them. And then there's also some striking similarities. Indeed. Among them as well. Um, Jesus uh, lifts up the little girl's hand. Is that right? Yep. Uh, which he took also her by did, the hand um, with the with Simon Peter's mother mother in law, um, and then we have the fate your your faith <clears throat> has made made you well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a repeated phrase from the healing of the paralytic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, um, yeah, and and also there's a lot of people um, falling down at his feet. Right. <laughs> um, in this passage in particular, but. And other passages as well. Well, and the interesting detail about Jairus falling at his feet is that um, we read that he's a, one of the leaders of the synagogue. Um, and at this point in Jesus' ministry, even though we're only five chapters in the Gospel of Mark, the leaders of the synagogue have been told to, to, to distance themselves from Jesus. Right, the scribes and the Pharisees have repeatedly uh, questioned him and yeah. not believed him and encouraged people to sort of stay away from him. And so you wonder, I don't wonder at all actually as, as the parent of a child, but how desperate Jairus must have been because he's going to be getting pressure from, um, from the folks at the synagogue to not be seeking Jesus' help and healing. And yet the pressure... Uh, to want to see his daughter healed and restored is it outweighs any pressure he's getting from the scribes and Pharisees. Right. And that's, that's an interesting detail to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least, they don't know what to make of this Jesus guy. Uh, and they think that he's come real close to blasphemy mm-hmm. on, on a few occasions. <laughs> well, least, and actually right? in Mark three, again, one of those stories we skipped over, they, they pretty much, uh, mm-hmm. they, they put him on the blacklist, right? Jesus okay. on the blacklist. So, okay. Um, that's that's where it stands, and Jairus uh, is willing to to not follow the rules or the suggestions of the scribes and Pharisees on this one, and throw himself 
and Jesus three and and this I mean again a few words but one of the leaders of the synagogue fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly I mean this is this is this is a lot yeah the second or third time that we read it um, I mean because I read it through a few times before we started this but while I was reading it here just now that repeatedly really stuck out to me mm-hmm. um, and I thought about you know what what if you stretched this scene out right um, like like over the course of a worship service <laughs> what if you stretched this out mm. and you had and you just had this refrain to come up over and over again throughout the course of a worship service that'd be hard of my little daughter's at the point of death come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Because if he's if he is saying this repeatedly, right. um, we don't always get that stress, the anxiety in that. Because yeah. like we read through it and um, like we're anticipating the answer to the problem, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and so I don't know what would happen if if we sat in that um, for a little while, which we know that a lot of people are currently essentially sitting in that question. Right. 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 Um, and are repeatedly saying in some, in one form or another, um, whatever it says, my little daughter is at the point of death. Right. They may not be saying that exactly. Right. But, they're, they're, but they are begging this, this Jesus thing. repeatedly. Yeah, needs healing. Yeah. Um, in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, that would be that would be hard. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. I particularly hard because, as you named, the reality is that there are people sitting in that same space currently, whether it's their daughter or people who have sat in that space before who perhaps have lost um, a child to illness or a loved one or something like that, where they did beg for. Yeah. Yeah. Even like, I mean, somebody had, I would imagine everybody has some form of that question rattling around or request, I guess. Yeah. Rattling around in their head or heart on a Sunday morning, right? Whether it's my loved one has cancer, my loved one is suffering, trying to figure out some sort of broken or strained relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, I know someone. And it might even be myself, who mm-hmm. is feels in some way that they are at the point of death. Yeah. Um, and and come and lay your hands on her. Is like that's a very that's a very presence mm-hmm. sort of a thing. Like, it's not speak the words, <laughs> right? And then I'll go back and check on her. Yeah. Uh, come and lay your hands mm-hmm. on her. There's a physicality to this, to all, to both of these stories. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I think not to be overlooked is that sense of presence. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the woman reaches out and touches his clothes. He could keep walking, even though he, as we read, immediately where the power had gone forth from him, but he stops and insists on knowing who did it. Um, and the woman 
comes forth and again he's he's got a message of peace for her your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed mm-hmm. <coughs> there's there's a ministry of presence there for sure there's obviously a ministry of healing but there's also a ministry of presence there that i think is important mm-hmm. yeah and the the presence is and now i'm thinking back over previous stories as well the presence is in response um, oftentimes just some sort of prolonged suffering. Mm-hmm. Right? He says this repeatedly. My daughter is at the point of death. Uh, this woman has been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years, right. it says. Uh, the paralytic has been, we assume, paralytic for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the man suffering uh, from demons at Gerasene, right? He's been suffering for a right. long time. Um, so I'm wondering if these sorts of examples of elongated suffering mm-hmm. aren't supposed to be reflective of the, the, the people of Israel and their perceived experience hmm. um, as being sort of long suffering right. at the hands of Rome or, or whomever. Um, and Jesus being this presence that is going to alter this situation radically mm-hmm. for them um, yeah. in the face of this sort of long-standing suffering in some way. Interesting. What else? Man, I think uh, I've got more questions than I have. By Sunday, I'll try to say something faithful about it. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, fear pops up a couple of times. Yeah, in in both of these, um, the, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear, and trembling fell down before him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in verse thirty six, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, "Do not fear, only believe." Yeah, um, which maybe plays into this idea of. I'm not, I'm not always quite sure what to do with this Jesus character. Yeah. All right. What else? Did we get it? I think we got it. Will it preach? Uh, there's something there that should preach. All right. Fair enough. Should we uh, close in prayer? We should. All right. Let's uh, let's do that. Okay. Gracious God, we thank you for your holy word, which speaks to us across the ages and uh, continues to pique our curiosity, even today. I would ask you, God, to be with all who are reading the scripture this week, and that you would uh, inspire them. May your Holy Spirit uh, move them to understand what is being done and said here, and from it to extract a word of hope that can be shared with others so they may too find a sense of hope or peace um, and overcome fear as they engage with these age-old stories. Blessing guide our reading of this and our interpretation of it, O God. In Jesus' loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. And that's all we have to say about that. So, uh, what's going on in the life of our church? And we're going to, I don't know if the mic's going to pick it up, but we're going to have a beautiful uh, soundtrack behind us for the remainder of our yeah. <laughs> uh, podcast.
podcast here. Um, speaking of what's going on in life of the church today, Monday, uh, the 22nd. Sure. Um, First Presbyterian Church of Hastings is hosting the Hastings College uh, Honor Band and Choir for high school students. So we've got high school students coming from all across the state who are participating in the Honor Band and Choir experience, and uh, they're going to be here uh, rehearsing. And then there's a concert here tonight at 5.30. So if you want to hear some great high school music from some of the best high school musicians in the state, come on down tonight sure. at 5.30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They will also be recording it, and you can go to Hastings uh, YouTube, Hastings College YouTube page and whatnot and catch this concert there if you'd yeah, like. I think they may be live streaming it. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> That's today. That's today. Uh, Wednesday, we're doing our full Wednesday night programming. Uh, we start with dinner at 5 o'clock to 5.30. Uh, children, youth, and their families are all welcome to come down and join us for dinner. And then from 5.30 to 7, we do Wednesday Night Live for uh, pre-K through high school youth. We do Bible study. We do choir. We do bell choir. Um, we have fun and games. It's uh, it's quite the quite the thing. You should come check it out on Wednesday nights. Yeah. And then uh, this Sunday, which is the 28th, uh, an important Sunday in the life of our church uh, because we're going to join together for worship like we do every Sunday. Right. But also at the end of worship... Uh, we're going to have our annual congregational meeting where the congregation will be presented with the annual report, uh, learn a little bit about what all has happened in the life of the church in the past year, and look forward with hope to the year to come. So uh, that is immediately following our 1030 worship service, but what I'm going to do is try to wrap up the worship service by about 1115, and we'll roll right into the annual congregational meeting. For those that need to leave, we'll give you opportunities to leave, and then everybody else will stay, and the congregation will... Uh, will join us and uh, hear the reports and uh, be part of that. So we hope you can join us for that this Sunday, January 28th, following the 1030 worship service. Mm -hmm. There will also be a forum this coming Sunday. Uh, forum will be focused on Frontera de Cristo, which is a, a ministry of the Presbyterian Church. Correct, USA. Uh, it takes place right along the U.S.-Mexico border in Douglas, Arizona, and Agua Prieta, Mexico. And we've had a group of folks go down three times? I think the church sent a delegation three times down there. Okay. Uh, and they are sort of starting to explore the possibility of, of doing a return trip to go and visit our friends. Yeah. And, yeah, just... This is what you do when you have friends. You go and visit them. So, yeah, yeah. and our we have a Presbyterian mission worker who lives uh, on the U.S.-Mexico border. Well, a family, and Mark and Miriam were actually here in June, mm -hmm. and were part of our 150th celebration. They gave a presentation, and uh, we shared a meal with them and whatnot. Uh, so they came here to teach us and to learn from us, and we hope to go there to learn from them. Yeah. So. So as a way of sort of starting to explore what that might look like um, for folks or if folks are interested in doing that, uh, host a forum that'll be sort of part, sort of talking about the past experiences, um, going down and, and paying a visit and also sort of talking about here's what a trip might look like yeah. uh, in the in the fall of whatever year this is. Yeah. 2024? I think so. Okay. Uh, looking ahead, if you uh, have your calendars out, uh, I would encourage you to mark down February 4th because that is Youth Sunday. 
and then mark down February 11th uh, because we're going to have a guest organist helping to lead worship that day. And then that afternoon at 3 o'clock, we're going to have an organ concert from a world-renowned concert organist. So uh, really a lot of exciting stuff coming up in the life of our church. We hope you can join us for it. Dr. Stephen Hamilton. I learned his first name between last week and this week. Well done. <laughs> I thought it was Alexander. No, no, but I, in my mind, I'm calling him Dr. Stephen Alexander Hamilton. Okay. But that's probably kind of rude, and I should probably stop doing that. Maybe. <laughs> Dr. Stephen Hamilton. Indeed. Uh, will be here to yeah help lead us in worship and then uh, present an organ recital. So, we hope you can join us for all of that. Anything else? I don't think so. All right. All right. Well, then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.